The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell. Hello and welcome to the first instalment of The Running Podcast with me, Brian O'Connell. I probably need to come up with a catchier title. Uh, (laughs) Over the next 14 weeks or so, the plan is to guide you through everything from perhaps doing your first couch to 5k, to the ins and outs of marathon training, to what shoes to wear, how to fuel right. We're going to delve into something I'm really interested in is the mental as well as the physical benefits of running. And hopefully we'll also dispel some of the myths about running along the way. We're going to talk about injuries, we're going to talk about how to avoid them, when to run, when not to run. I myself was meant to have started a 15-week training block for the Rotterdam Marathon, which I hope to do in mid-April. It'll be my fourth marathon, I think. But post-COVID over Christmas and then a chest infection, I am reluctantly taking on board a bit of advice and I've stopped running for the past two weeks, two and a half weeks. So hopefully a couple of more days and I'll be back at it. So we will look at when you should and when you shouldn't run. And the plan is to have some interesting guests drop in and out along the way, some expert advice, and just talk to people a little bit about why they run and why running is such an important part of their lives. So drop me a line if you want anything discussed, or if you want to talk about your own running journey, brian.o'connell at rte.ie. You can get me on Instagram and on Twitter at O'Connell Brian. This week, to start us off, we have an Olympian who's going to discuss his running life. And we also have an interview with a running colleague of mine, the Corkman, who beat the Brazilian football legend Kaka. Both of them did their first marathon in 2022. So that's coming up a little later. But first up, as I said, we have an Olympian 209 marathoner, Stephen Scullion. Anyone who knows a bit about Stephen will know he's very open on his social media channels about his mental health battles, about the reality of life, warts and all, as an elite runner. And we spoke uh, a week or so ago while he was in the US on a training camp. Opening question, why do you run? It's a great question. You know, I, I was just about to do a documentary on not why do I run? What am I running from? <laughs> and that's when you'll start to tap into a real fun question. Um, why do I run? It's changed over my career. It, it started as a let's look at extrinsic rewards and winning and medals and fame and any of this kind of stuff. And and then when you do it long enough that you do it for all the other stuff that you feel good about yourself each day. It's been a constant in my life for 15 to 20 years through all kinds of ups and downs. And so, yeah, it's it's deep. It's a deep and complex question. But why I run has changed. Why I still run is because it's probably the best thing for my mental health that could ever exist. It must be then when you can't run that it really highlights how much you need it. So how do you survive, exist, be yourself when you can't run? Yeah, correct. So um, any time, whether it was retirement, injury, health, I took time away. I guess that's when you learn about all the things you get out of running, that it helps your confidence, that it helps you function in life, that it, you know, gives you a purpose each day, especially through COVID. That was, you know, crazy. People probably realized having something small like running, which seems like nothing, can really add to your day. And um, I guess when running's taken away from me, 
then yeah like I, I am lucky that I have other hobbies and interests in life but um yeah it's like someone taking your your left leg it's, it's that serious it's difficult not to run I um I started running god probably over 20 years ago now and there's probably not been more than a week in my life since that point that I've not ran of some form of mile <laughs> i was about to say 99 percent of people run for mental health and struggle but it's not it's a hundred it's every whether they people might not know that's why they run but look i i got diagnosed with adhd late in life and i and i found out that probably for 20 years that was my medication that's what kept me grounded that's what kept me feeling you know calm and and functioning and and I think people don't realize that a lot of the reason they're running is because humans aren't stupid. We do things on purpose. We, we create habits on purpose. So if you took up running and you're still running, your your body and your brain and everything loves it. it you know, you might you might have a love hate relationship with it. Sure, it's tough. Sure, there's, you know, rubbish weather days. And but you humans don't do things by choice or by chance, sorry. You, you've clearly got into a habit of perhaps running every day or running every couple of days because your brain's gone, hey, I like this, I'm into this. Whatever this is doing, I'm into this. So for a running podcast, then it, it, it's a balance to try and strike between obviously appealing to people who are running fanatics, who are into elite level running, and then to people who are sitting on the couch thinking, I would love someday to finish a 5K. No, you're right. There's a there's a huge market for hopefully inspiring people to get out the door and run because you could go on about the benefits all day, but you're trying to give someone that push that says the sore back, you're going to get at first, the sore calves, your body's not going to like it at first, but it's worth it. You're trying to get that message across. But then, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to bore people with, oh yeah, today I ran a 2.8 millimoles of lactic acid. And the reason I did that is because it's perfect for marathon type threshold and my heart rate was 163. They're going to be like, oh my god scully would you ever stop going on like we don't care what your lactate was have people stopped inviting you to dinner yeah i know if i either well they're probably like scully all you do is talk about yourself i'm like i know but like honestly it doesn't matter if someone's goal sub four or, or sub you know two and a half hours like it don't don't underestimate the people that are trying to shoot for sub four or coach the 5k that they're not taking it serious and every now and again they won't want a little bit of a tip or a little bit of advice from yes olympian from 209 marathon runner but i guess what i would love is that people would keep running and that they would move away from the goal orientation and the oh i didn't you know run a personal best so i failed and they just start to see the little bits of joy in the everyday of running and then they might hang around long enough to achieve the big results. And, and that that's always true. The people that last the longest seem to do the best. The other thing I love about it is I'm a kind of a marketing department stream at the moment. Like there's a huge role that science is playing now, isn't it? And an evolving role in, in, in especially at your level, but even for someone like me, who's maybe hoping yeah. for 310 or something in Rotterdam, like I'm kind of looking for every edge I can get. There's two, there's two things. People are looking for, I do it too. I sit here and I go, should I go to altitude? Should I get an altitude tent? Should I do this? Should I get cryotherapy? And then I go, Stephen, for God's sake, just go do your second run. Like, 
you know, that'll help more than all this, you know, all the other juju. And I call it juju, but the science and the marginal gains and the extra bits, like they do make a difference. But a lot of the time, what makes the most difference is just getting out the door and doing another run or the run that was already planned. But if you can share, that's where like a podcast comes in fantastic that maybe there's a day or maybe there's a theme to the month or you cover a topic and that topic could be nutrition. I learned having ran for 15 years as a professional, 20 years, whatever it is, I learned last year when I should eat before training. 20 years later, like what the hell? Like Because now they have what's called super sapiens and they have glucose trackers and they can tell you exactly what's happening. And I, it blew my mind. It, it literally, and I, within the school, I've taught a few people this stuff and they're like literally at three hours before and then 10 minutes to go, I had the little snack of carbohydrates, like you said, best run I've ever had. All of a sudden my evening train and I wasn't all dizzy. I wasn't all lightheaded. I wasn't, basically it's called exercise induced hypoglycemia. No clue. Nobody has a clue about this kind of stuff. Now science and like, yeah, Morten and these companies, they're doing so much research and pumping money into this stuff that you're learning things. So Sometimes we can get too caught up in the, should we go down the path of science and should I be focusing on the 1%? But actually, that's not a 1%. If you're going to feel literally 80% better, when I started fixing my nutrition for the evening runs, I could have ran for an hour, two hours, it wouldn't have mattered. Whereas in the past, I'd have got 20 minutes into a run and gone, oh, I'm lightheaded, I'm dizzy, I'm over sweating, what's going on? I'd have thought I was tired but it's my body's reaction to glucose and carbs. And so there'll be people listening to this who will say, right, I'm going to follow this journey or I'm going to invest in this podcast and I'm going to start running. And like you were mentioning earlier, running is hard initially. I mean, those first mm -hmm. couple of weeks and days are, you're not getting a whole lot of joy back because your body is adjusting, right? The body's just like, there's a triangle. I remember Cavendish, this is a world champion cyclist and they're in their marginal gains YouTube series and they're talking about the triangle and you've got your application to train and the sacrifice and the dedication and then you've got what you're getting out of it and I think for people just starting their triangle is going to be probably a bit lopsided that they're thinking oh my god what I'm getting out of this is ice packs on every part of my body I don't see the joy yeah. but look at it, it takes time and everything in life like it just takes time. You have to ride the storm, you know, and do, for example, if you are just starting running, you don't, you run for a minute, you walk for a minute, you run for a minute, you walk for a minute. You're, you're going to help guide people to avoid all that kind of sore this or that. You're going to hopefully cut down their injuries and then hopefully they're getting more good out of the running than bad. The other thing we should probably knock on the head straight away is this misconception when you say to people and you know, if I mention to people I've just done a marathon, they say, oh, my God, that must be really bad on your legs. And I'd be worried. I'd be worried if I did that. The impact. And I've looked at the peer reviewed studies like the long peer reviewed studies all show running is hugely beneficial, obviously. To I know but how many, how many people are going to say that to you that probably can't do a sit up. You know, like they probably do like half a day's work and their back would be sore. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure you can really go down a path of looking and seeing on YouTube people that have ran hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles weekly. You go on YouTube and there's people running for 24 hours and there's all sorts of stuff. I'm sure at those extremes, you might develop some kind of damage. 
But I also know that there's 80 year old, you know, women and men and 90 year old and 95 year old out there running marathons that will tell you otherwise. They'll tell you that the fact that they're still running and the fact that they're still using the muscles that they've got in their body in a positive way, it's kept them young. I did. I was talking to an orthopedic surgeon a couple of months ago and I said to him, well, I'll be seeing you in a couple of years time now. And he said, because I wear Hoka runners quite a lot and most of my training runs. And he said to me, actually, he said, there's a type of runner now we're recommending to a lot of people who are coming to us called Hokas. And I had been evangelizing about Hokas to everyone in my running group for about the last two or three years and saying, oh, you got it. Um, And I do think that the shoes are taking a lot of the impact or some of the impact now out of it, aren't they? In terms of a lot of money. At least you're not like going to start like talking about barefoot running. There is a really good book on barefoot running, which I actually really enjoy. And I'd be the sucker that after that would be out there with no shoes on. But look at it. Yeah. The shoe technology, we just talked about how science has moved forward. Shoe technologies move forward. The, the the shoe game now is to protect the body to you know stop it from all this impact shoes are getting a little bit softer and the biggest damage i think any of us do as humans we do to ourselves whether it's physically or emotionally we do it to ourselves let's be honest it's not going to be the 5k run if you pick soft surfaces if you build yourself up slowly running will be brilliant for your hips and your joints and your knees and your muscles and the only reason, like I, we talked earlier about maybe you'll get sore, maybe you won't. If you do it wrong, you'll get sore. If I do it wrong, I'll be sore. I literally ran four hours over the Mourn Mountains during COVID and I was sore for about a week. But that's because I don't do that. That was just a random impulsive decision. If you do things the right way and you're patient and you're disciplined and you wear the right shoes, you'll be absolutely fine. And and then you'll come to realize one day you look back and go, thank God I got up off the couch and I did that little run because it changed everything. I think what struck me about you was looking in the lead up to the Olympics about how much you were sharing online. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, a bit of my story, I was in rehab 18 years ago. I wrote a book about my experience in rehab, about our relationship with alcohol. So like one thing that I wasn't prepared for was the reaction to it publicly when you start mm-hmm. engaging with things like that publicly. Did you find that? Well, I'm going to say two things. I'm going to say Ireland's relationship with alcohol. I was just watching bloody Harry Potter. And when there's fireworks going off, they say, oh, my God, the Irish are celebrating a bit too much. And I don't know if that's something we should be happy about. And the other thing is that, look, I've always I've always wanted to live in a world where you could walk out. This is silly, but I've always wanted to live in a world where you could walk out your front door, literally start naked and you just exposed yourself for everything that you are. And it's a metaphor. It's a it's an idea that you live in a world where you're just not afraid of your the parts you're insecure about, the parts you have low self-esteem about and and how that world would just be way better for us all, that we're not worried. We're less worried about what people think. We're less worried that we do everything wrong and we don't do things right. And so when I started speaking openly, it kind of pisses me off that it takes you to be one of Ireland's best and fastest marathon runners to be allowed to speak openly about mental health not being in a great place. That pisses me off because everybody should be allowed to speak if their mental health isn't a good place. You shouldn't have to be some kind of inspiration to people and it shouldn't be like, well done you. It should be like, okay, next, you know, who, who else has problems? Treated people quite nastily in my life. I've been really mean to people in my life. I never brag without allowing people to know that there's also been a time and place in my life where I've done things that I'm not proud of at all. 
but it shaped me and made me the person that I am right now. So in a way, maybe it had to happen. I just yeah. wasn't afraid to tell people exactly how I feel, how, it, how it's been. And they know, and I mean this, when I'm telling people these things, I don't tell them so that they'll comfort me. I never want to comfort it. I tell them so they know it's okay for them to say, hey, I'm not okay. Okay, great stuff. Thanks, Mel, Stephen. No problems. Bye-bye. The RTE Running Podcast. So that's Stephen Scullion and it's really worth checking out Stephen's social media channels. He has a running club as well. He provides coaching and we'd hope to check in with Stephen from time to time. I know he's quite a busy schedule. He's all over the world. He's quite a deep thinker, which I like. And I think sometimes with him looking from the outside in, I often wonder how hard it is to be at that elite level. You know, as I said, I haven't been able to run for a couple of weeks and it's driving me bananas so I just can't imagine what it's like for someone like him who's engineered to run who when he's injured or when things aren't going well and he's really open about that I just can't imagine how difficult it is so that's the kind of insight I hope we get off Stephen over the next few weeks and he also just gives really clear practical sensible training advice coming up I thought we would talk to a guy I actually run with called John Casey and now John and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this he's almost 60 years old Took up running a few years back, started with a couple of park runs, which is a fantastic way to get into running. And then he joined a club, Toker AC. He set himself a number of goals, set himself a number of targets, and he has hit all those targets over the last three or four years. He's had injuries, um, but I think what he's been very good at is managing the injuries, knowing when to stop, knowing when to do strength and conditioning, knowing when to rehab. He really rose to prominence a couple of months ago when he did the Berlin Martin, his first Martin, in a really respectable time of three hours, 30 minutes. But it was a photograph of John overtaking Kaka, who's a Brazilian football legend, who was also doing his first Martin. And John overtook him around mile 20. They had a bit of a fist bump. And there was that sort of mutual respect between athletes that came through in the picture. Someone took a snap of it. And the picture went viral, as they say, on social media. And John became something of a media star for a couple of weeks and months afterwards. So we're going from Olympian Stephen Scullion to someone like John Casey, who set himself goals a little bit later in life and has seen huge benefits from running and gave a bit of a hiding to a Brazilian soccer legend along the way. And why not? So I began by asking John Casey, why does he run? Uh, I think I ultimately run both like for mental and physical health right but more so i run to kind of clear the health not clear the head sorry um i think for me like i look brian you kind of know me like we're uh you know colleagues so to speak in a running club right and um i lead a very busy life you know like i, I lead a very busy professional life right you know and I have a family life on top of that right and uh i just find running gives you huge headspace right and huge time to think and it's time out you know and um i've never had a problem since i started running that i haven't solved on a run you know the physical benefits are almost a sidebar for me like i've definitely benefited like you know kind of i started out i suppose on the running journey just historically as a weight loss thing you know what i mean as a just to kind of say listen I'm reaching a certain milestone in my life here, like, you know, you're way overweight. You you need to kind of do something here, like, you know, not necessarily on doctor's advice, but self-driven for myself. It absolutely snowballed from there. 
And you took up running later in life, really, didn't you? Yeah. I, mean, I, know, I know you did a lot of other sports over the years. Yeah. Um, did that make it more difficult, do you think? I would be frequently asked now by men, especially in my own age group, like, you know, how are the knees, right? And um, despite the current injury, right, which isn't knee-related, my knees are actually perfect. You know, you know, there's a lot of kind of misconceptions about, oh, you're going to ruin your knees or whatever when you go running, right? That is an absolute misconception as far as I can see. Now, do people do have knee problems per se, right? But, you know, um, to me, you know, you you don't have the knee problems just from the running alone. You may have the knee problems from not kind of doing the proper strength and conditioning and, you know, those ancillary exercises before you go into running. And then, of course, you did your first marathon and became a social media star because you <laughs> you gave a hiding to poor old Kaka, the Brazilian footballer, yeah. um, who you passed out and you kind of fist bumped each other. Are you likely to get a Christmas card from him? I, I doubt it, right? <laughs> like, um, I think, like he looked to be fair, like we're only having a casual conversation here, right? But it has opened up huge kind of doors. Like, it's a ridiculous, you know, that... Um, even still, no, like, and even if we weren't on a podcast here, I'd be saying to you, like, it's just mad. Like, I mean, I've gone places, like, in my professional life at this stage, right? And, um, you know, people are kind of, you know, recognizing me for that, right? And um, I suppose you have to kind of go with it. You know what I mean? People have got something out of it. And it um, would be, you know, not genuine to say, listen, you know, it's, it's something that's happened that was a positive thing and you have to stay with it would be my perspective what, what i think what i like about you you look for an angle or an edge anywhere you can get it and uh, i think i think you have to do that like i mean i think that you know i keep on i don't want to be kind of putting myself in the old man box all the time because i don't feel that mentally right but i suppose physically it it, it it is right what i would say to people is that if you put in the basic training and the basic you know yardage and the incremental kind of you know approach to mileage and you've built yourself up to a certain level right you should use look for every legal advantage you know after that you can possibly give yourself it'll only enhance your experience would, would be my view and i think that's part of the fun in running as well people kind of you know like those that aren't kind of immersed in this um you know kind of um, religion would say look outside and say like they probably don't well, see it you know the cult they don't see they don't see that but once you get into it you end up you know like certainly we, we we as you know club members talk about nothing else but running right and there's always you know just five or six different areas to running right that i think you can you know you improve on right i wouldn't know the five off the top of my head now right but look Basically, you know, there's kind of strength and conditioning, there's the, the mileage, there's the nutrition side of things, there's the mental side of things, right? And you've got to explore every one of those, in my view, to see if there's something where you can give yourself an advantage. Because there's, there is an advantage there in, you know, a percent increase or a couple of percent increase in any one of those will lift your game, would be my view. I suppose when you join a club, you become a much better runner, but you become a real bore at dinner parties. You do. And that's absolutely, that is a huge problem. And that is a huge problem at home as well, not just dinner parties, right? But, you know, like, I know you kind of touched on the carbon shooting, no, right? You know, and that's a big, that's oh, a yeah, big, here we, um, yeah, yeah. here we go. That, that, that has been, um, no, that hasn't been a personal game changer, but it's been, very satisfactory to kind of you know if you are like you know Brian from dealing with me like I was hovering and the kind of 
you know, like, let's call it, like trying to go sub 20 for a 5K was, took me nearly two years, right? But I think, you know, when you are, when I was at the kind of 2006, the heart gut, gut wrenching 2006 mark, right? And you're kind of finishing a race and saying, how am I going to find six seconds, right? I think even throwing on the carbon then after that gave you the kind of mental edge to say, listen, I'll break it the next time. You know what I mean? And, and far surpassed it as it happened to be, right? Not just because the carbons, but it's just because they're kind of going out with the, with the kind of maybe half belief like that these are going to give me the edge to go to six seconds faster and you end up running faster anyway. The RTE Running Podcast. And that was the great John Casey. That's about it for this week. Kind of going to keep the podcast to about 25, 30 minutes in length. I hope to be back running myself by the time I talk to you next week. And we'll get into our basic 0 to 5k plan next week. How do you actually start? It's January. We all have lots of great intentions. So how do you start going from zero to ending up at a 5k in a month or two months or three months time? The kind of runners you wear, what's a good program? We'll look at the beginning of a marathon program. I think we might drop in and out of the group that I'm with because there's just a, a really wide range of people within that group. Some people doing a marathon for the first time. Uh, some people aiming for kind of sub 250. So it'll just give you a sense, I think, of the kind of commitment you're probably looking at somewhere in the region of now plans vary and we'll talk about that. But somewhere in the region of about 30 to 50 miles a week, I would think for the next 13 weeks, you kind of have to be half mad to take it on. But I actually I like the structure and the process, I think, of the training probably a little bit more so than the actual race itself. Like I said, hope to be back running next week and get the get the runners on the feet. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about running runners, what to wear. I think we might get someone to give us a bit of a steer on that. I'm a big advocate of Hoka runners. Um, I've just found for me they've they've minimised injuries, and I know that some orthopedic surgeons are actually recommending them now. So we might have a chat about that. Um, although you know, if a new brand comes out next week. I'm kind of all about them as well. So I wouldn't take anything I say around runners as any kind of expert, <laughs> expert advice at all. I am a marketing department stream. So there you go. That's it. Mind yourself on the roads if you're going running. Talk to you next week. The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell.